Es el Hijo de Dios, María sabías que tu Hijo Jesús desde el cielo descendió. Sabías que tu Hijo Jesús sanará todo dolor. El bebé que está en tus brazos es el gran yo. Did you know? Oh, 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 did you know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Abigail. Absolutely fabulous. Thank you. Oh. Thank you from my heart, mi corazón. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. The details on that part of the story are more detailed in Luke 1, verses 27 to 38. To be betrothed in that time was like being engaged, but yet it was also like being married. To put an end to a betrothal was like a divorce. Had to go through legal means to do it. But the marriage wasn't consummated yet. Sometimes it was a year-long process. So in the midst of this betrothal period, Mary's fiancé, that word has devolved over time. Back in time it meant someone you were engaged to that you weren't cohabitating with. Her man got the bad news that she's expecting. And telling this tall tale, the, the Father's not human. The Holy Spirit overshadowed me, and I said, Be it unto me according to your word. And the word of God that I received in my heart became life in my womb. So Joseph's definitely struggling. Verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, or her betrothed husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He was going to divorce this thing and do it as quietly as possible and then let her deal with the consequences of explaining things. He wanted out of there. Verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, and this is my best angel voice, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, just like she said, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and he quotes Isaiah 7:14, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which is translated God with us. Now, Jesus got named Jesus, but the prophecy said he'd be named Emmanuel, God with us. Well, the name of Jesus means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. Jehovah, come and get me kind of name. Jesus, when you call on the name of Jesus, it's a cry for God's intervention in your life. It's a prayer in one word. Jesus, it's his phone number, gets his attention. You call on that name in faith, you have God with you. So the name of Jesus brings Emmanuel to us, God with us. Verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, had a change of heart. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. So they started living together. And did not know her. They did not consummate the marriage. Till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Meaning she had other sons. So they enjoyed the privileges of marriage without guilt. But it wasn't until after Jesus was born. And he called his name Jesus. Did we say Jesus? Can we say Emmanuel? God with us. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject of knowing God in Christmas. It's not a big subject, yet it's the biggest subject in the world. It's just not a very long sermon. But before we do, I just want to look at the next chapter just because I love the story of Christmas. And this is part of it, often missed by some. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea. They replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. It was the best of times and the worst of times. Just as in our world, he came to a hazardous place, surrounded by sin death, blood, and gore. Herod was so cruel a despot that it was said, a popular saying at the time, translated in English, is better to be Herod's swine than to be his son. He had two of his sons killed, and then on his deathbed had another one killed. And when um, Joseph and Mary came back to the Holy Land, they were concerned about going into Judea, for Herod's son, sometimes the sons are worse than the father, had replaced him, and the Lord led them to go to Galilee and to escape any more of that tyranny throughout the rest of his childhood. These wise men, the Bible doesn't say there was three of them, arrived sometime after the baby was up to the, remember Herod had babies up to the age of two killed. He was somewhere between two and who knows how old. But this story, this part of the story did not take place in the stable. I don't want to wreak havoc with your nativity set. But if you, if you want to correct it, take the shepherds and stable away and put a small house there or some type of residence there and leave the wise men there. Or if you want to leave it like it is, just take the wise men and put them on the other side of the room. They're on their way there. On December 17th, 2006, Dr. Gary Stewart came and spoke here on this passage, being somewhat of an astronomer, amateur astronomer, and using astronomy software, tracing star movements and planetary alignments, he dialed back the clock, took us back in time to this time, and determined the approximate time of when Christ was born was probably somewhere between July and September. And then, based on what the wise men were seeing, and they started making their journey probably from a rock. These guys may have been descendants of people who were disciples of Daniel. We're not sure. But through astrology, it's hard to believe that, but through astrology and astronomy, they determined something significant was happening. Perhaps 
the king of the Jews, the Messiah was coming. And so they began their journey when they saw this star. It could have been a small army of them. So many of them was there that the Bible says all of Jerusalem noticed them. And if they're carrying gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they they were carrying a fortune with them. And then, of course, probably they had security to guard these riches. And Herod, who's easily threatened, I mean, even by his own sons, calls together men of God to determine where this thing is they're looking for would take place. And they looked up Micah 5.2 that says, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so they determined this was where the king of the Jews or the Messiah would be born. It is interesting that Bethlehem means house of bread. And so it's just a blessing to me that the bread of life was born in the house of bread. And so Herod says, go on, you go on, you go. You go find him and come back so I too can worship him. Right, right. And through angelic intervention, they didn't go back to Herod. And so Herod just went into that part of the country and just killed all the baby boys two years old and younger. I spoke to Dr. Stewart the other day and says, all right, now when do you think the wise men actually arrived? Because on their way to Bethlehem, they saw the star appear again or another star appear. It says when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy because here was planetary confirmation. And I remember Dr. Stewart had covered this part of the story of actually what happened. I think Jupiter lined up with Venus and and the beams that would come from that would, would pinpoint of that part of the world at the time. And so I called Dr. Stewart the other day and says, now when do you think the wise men arrived at his house? He said, to be honest with you, I believe it with all my heart on my research, the wise men arrived with their gifts their presence for the newborn king on December 25th. The best of his research. You may say, I don't know about that. Well, you can listen to it. He's online. Just look him up. Gary Stewart uh, on our website, online sermons, Gary Stewart, or, or December 17th, 2006. And so they bring him these treasures. Now, gold, we understand what that is, but what's frankincense and myrrh? Well, these are beautiful smelling aromas. Who has expensive perfume? For some reason, nobody wants the cheap stuff. Everybody wants the expensive stuff. In fact, if you make cheap perfume, just raise the price. You'll probably sell it. But in that day, with the smell of campfires all the time and the lack of deodorant, fragrances were important. I did a sermon on gold, frankincense, and myrrh years ago, how it was made and processed and refined and how that points to Jesus going to the cross. I won't get into that. But if you want to know what frankincense and myrrh smells like, someone gave me this oil after the first service that's infused with it. It's quite nice. I'd pass it around, but then it would be hard to preach with that kind of distraction. So if you want to smell it, I got it up here in my pocket after service. He returned to Nazareth and was called a Nazarene. Christians began to be called Christians in Antioch out of mockery. It was an insult. But God, who's the great converter, the great redeemer, took that word and we wear it with courage. I am a Christian, not ashamed. 
not prideful in myself, but prideful of my Savior. But prior to be called Christians, they were called Nazarenes because Nazareth was not a place to be proud of. And Christ was from there. In fact, somebody asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth where Christ grew up? And so his followers were called Nazarenes. Well, to this day in that part of the world, Christ's followers are called Nazarenes. Even the enemies of Christ call us Nazarenes. In the part of the world where ISIS is persecuting Christians the most, they'll take a can of red spray paint and spray some visible point on the Christian's property, a red circle, and then the Arabic letter noon, or their, their letter for in, inside the circle. I have a t-shirt with this letter in, meaning a Nazarene lives there, meaning we have visited this place and we have warned them. And if you come back by and they haven't converted to Islam or they, haven't, they don't have a large sum of money for you, kill them. So this is hazardous times in which Christ lived with Herod's goings on, and we have the same thing going on in that part of the world. But my sermon today is on knowing God in Christmas. It's based on this promise, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's all say us. God with us. This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies that we see fulfilled in the New Testament, that that God is with us in Christ and through his Holy Spirit. In Matthew 18, he promised to be with us when the two or three of us are gathered in his name. He said, I am there in the midst of them. God with us. Matthew 28, 20, in the Great Commission, he ends it with these words, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or to the end of the world. He is with us. If you're going through tough times, he's with you. You feel like you're all alone. He is with you. Mark 16, 20 says the early church went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So answers to prayer are proofs that God is with us. Sometimes prayers aren't answered the way we want. Does that mean God's not with us? No. It means God's with us, and he'll help us go through. His grace is sufficient to take us through anything. Amen? If he doesn't move the mountain, he'll move you. Sometimes it's around the mountain or through it. Jesus in promising the Holy Spirit in John 14, 18. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is the God of Christmas that we know, the God who is with us. He's not on some far-off planet. We don't have to cut ourselves with knives and burn mountains of incense to get his attention. He's with us. In Acts 18, the Lord speaks to Paul in a vision. And he says, don't be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. I believe that was in Corinth. Amazing protection he went through. But then later he winds up in jail. Where'd the protection go? God had a plan for him in jail. And God was with him. In jail, so much so that 
Paul called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13, we're told to let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. That's a good verse for Christmas, isn't it? Learn to be content. Sometimes our kids have more fun with the box the toy came in than the toy itself. Why? There's room for imagination. I won't go there. I've got some opinions. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If he's with me and he never leaves me, then I have every reason to be content. Oh, but don't you have to fast and pray not to be content? To deal with my pride sometimes, yes. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Because he promised to never leave us nor forsake us, we can be content and live lives free of coveting. And we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Can we say that? The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Say it. The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now let's say it boldly. All right? Man can disappoint you. Man can hurt you. Humanity, women can too. Wound you deeply. But because God is with us, what is that? It's just temporary trials. We're eternal. We're going to live through anything. Amen? He's our helper. He's the ever-present help in time of trouble, one of the prophecies says. Jesus is God with us. One of the New Testament scriptures says that great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. So Jesus was God in the flesh, and he is God in the flesh, and he's God in heaven, and he's God at the right hand of the Father, and he's God on the throne, and he's God in the Holy Spirit that he sent, and he is with us. Let's look at some of the Old Testament promises of God being with us. In Joshua, Moses had led the children of Israel to the borders of the promised land. Joshua's taking his place. The Lord personally says these words to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Every time Moses ran into a problem, God was with him. God heard his prayer. God gave him a solution. And all those solutions to me point to Jesus. They come to this mountain of water, you know, water that they can't cross, Moses talks to God. God tells him what to do. God parts the waters, and they walk across where waters had been, which to me point to Jesus, who one day would walk on water and calm storms, authority 
over water. Another time, Moses, in his leadership, came across waters that were poisonous. God gave him a plan, chop this tree down, throw it in the water, and the tree will heal the waters. Which to me points to the cross. On the cross, Christ died for the poisonous sins of the world so that we could be healed from our sin. They needed food. God gave them bread from heaven. Talk about pointing to Jesus. They needed water. God gave them water out of a rock. If that's not a picture of Jesus, I don't know what is. So as he was with Moses, so he was going to be with Joshua. Now Joshua is the English pronunciation of the Hebrew name Yeshua. And the Greek pronunciation of the, of the name Yeshua is Jesus. And the English pronunciation of Jesus is Jesus. So Joshua and Jesus coming from Hebrew and coming from Greek is the same name. Joshua led people, they'd received the law, into the promised land. Christ came, fulfilled the law. He's our new Joshua. He's Jesus. God with us. Because of him we can be strong and of good courage. David, who definitely tasted the New Testament in Psalm 46, twice he said, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Think about it for a while. Isaiah 46, 9. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, listen to this prophecy, and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus is called, in Isaiah 53, the arm of the Lord. The right arm is the hand of authority. So this is... God upholding us with his righteous right hand is Jesus always being with us. Beautiful, prophetic picture. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. May your Christmas not be a lonely one. May your Christmas be one filled with the presence of God and awareness of the reality of Jesus. And may you include in this holiday season opportunities to relate to someone that is lonely. Well, isn't Jesus with them too? He is. But sometimes people are so down they need God with skin on, and that's you and I. Jesus is the arm of God, his spirit is his finger, and we are his fingertip. We are the body of Christ, his hands extended to make his will known. So look for someone to comfort. Go visit a jail or a nursing home or something. Bring the love of Jesus, the revelation of God with us, to somebody that has forgotten it or somebody that needs assurance that he is with them. Enter into people's worlds outside of your own world and make him known. In his blog, The Universe in My Aquarium, 
Philip Yancey writes on his saltwater fish tank. He said, I spend much time and effort fighting off parasites and bacteria that invade the tank. I run a portable chemical laboratory to test the specific nitrate and nitrite levels and ammonia content. I pump in vitamins and antibiotics and sulfur drugs and eat enough enzymes to make a rock grow. I filter the water through glass fibers and charcoal and expose it to ultraviolet light. But fish makes dubious pets. I tell my friends their only tricks are eating, getting sick, and dying. You would think in view of all this energy expended on their behalf that my fish would at least be grateful. Not so. Every time my shadow appears, they die for cover. Three times a day I open the lid and drop in food, yet they respond to each opening as a sure sign of my design to torture them. They're certainly not very affirming pets. However, to fish I am deity and one who does not hesitate to intervene. I balance the salts and trace elements in the water. No food enters their tank unless I approve of it and retrieve it from my freezer and drop it in. They would not live a day without my electrical gadget that brings oxygen into their water. Whenever I must treat an infection, I face an agonizing choice. Should I move the infected fish to a quarantine tank and really traumatize them, or should I leave the infected fish in there for them to attack and kill? Such violent intervention in the tank, the mere act of chasing the sick fish into the net, could do more damage than the infection. Stress resulting from treatment itself can sometimes cause death. I bought my aquarium to brighten a dull room, but ended up learning a few lessons about running a universe. Maintaining an aquarium requires constant effort and a precarious balancing of physical laws. Often the most gracious acts go unnoticed and can even cause resentment. As for direct intervention that is never simple in universes large and small, I often long for a way to communicate with these small-minded water dwellers. Out of ignorance, they perceive me as a threat constantly. I cannot convince them of my true concern and love for them. I am too large. My actions are too incomprehensible. My acts of mercy they see as cruelty. My attempts at healing they view as their destruction. To change their perceptions would require some form of incarnation. I would need to become a fish. God with us is more than just the Almighty looking down on us. But He became one of us. And on the cross, He became us and died as us so that we could live for Him and as Him, representing Him in the world. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this Christmas would be like no other that we would focus upon your presence first and foremost above all things, that we would not allow ourselves to get stressed because of how somebody behaves or misbehaves. But, Lord, we just roll with the punches, understanding that our contentment comes from you. And, Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see opportunities to convey God is with us by our being with people that need to know that. In Jesus' name, I pray for your blessings upon your people. 
bless their activities, bless their travels, and use us mightily as your hands extended to a lost and dying world, some of whom are our own relatives. Make us effective ministers for your glory. Keep us on guard when subjects like politics come up and that we don't get sidetracked into things that would kill evangelistic opportunities. In Jesus' name, help us to live as Nazarenes in this hazardous world. Amen. Amen. Can we stand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Almighty God lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that comes from remembering you're not alone, that he is always with you. God bless you. Go get them, tigers. Amen.